Welcome to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Join the conversations of a collaborative community of women from the Southern Baptist Convention family who long to connect, engage, and encourage one another as they serve and lead in diverse ways to impact the kingdom of God. Pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in on what God is doing through women of the SBC. Hey friends, and welcome to an episode of At The Table. My name is Jackie King, and I'm your host, and I have a super special treat today. Not only do I have a special guest that I love and adore, but she is also right in front of me, face-to-face, which has not happened yet on this podcast, and so it is so exciting to welcome Lori McDaniel to the podcast. Lori, welcome. Thank you. It's a lot of fun to be here because we've just been like chatting on (laughs) secretly like on Instagram (laughs) Messenger with emojis and so forth, and so now we get to be face-to-face. This is fun. Yes. I told her she was in for a long, awkward hug since this was the actual (laughs) first time that I got to see her. But um, I have already learned so much just from you and the relationship of seeing you and what you've done in the IMB and just your presence as a woman in our convention. So I'm kind of curious, going back, because I don't know anything about you growing up and all of those things. Tell me a little bit about what was it like growing up as Lori McDaniel? Oh my goodness. Wow. (laughs) So we're in Arkansas right now as we speak. I actually grew up in Arkansas. Here's a little bit of trivia for you, which you're going to love. Oh I'm from Texas. I'm I was fail. born in Texas. No! Yes! <laughs> so I know, like, I don't tell anybody that because they hold it against me or they like try to build it up more than it is. But um, I grew up in Arkansas and I grew up, you know, my parents became believers not long after I was born. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up with them taking me to church. My dad became a leader in the church. I grew up in an SBC church and what today we would probably, we have labels for SBC churches now. It seems like like tribes or categories um, but more the traditional side okay. of Southern Baptist churches grew up doing like Bible drill uh, I say I flunked GAs because I was about to say did you were I, you a GA girl I, okay <laughs> yes I hate like I love GAs I love missions and if you know me you know yeah. I love missions yeah. um, and so I would go to GAs like every year but I never earned a badge uh, and so I kind of like I flunked GAs even though I was there all the time apparently so, yeah. yeah in heaven in yeah, heaven you'll that's get the right. badge that's right that's right that's um, right um, so yeah, so when I was a child, actually, is when I came to know Christ, and I can remember being at the day when we had revivals, like that will date me right right there, right? Um, and going, not wanting to go to church, but my dad saying, you know, if you'll just sit and listen, it will go by faster, which was a little bit of motivation uh, for me, and I did, and it was that evening that, you know, God spoke to my heart, and I became a follower of Jesus Christ then, and so... Yeah, I've grown up here and been SBC all my life. Yeah. Okay, so you are kind of like our missions guru girl. So I want to know, when did that spark really happen in your life? Like, was it when you were a child or more young adult? Like, when did that happen? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I actually like it when people ask me that because I'm so involved in mission. People just kind of assume, like, that's been my entire life, Mm -hmm. and it really hasn't been. Mm -hmm. And so growing up, you know, in a Baptist church, I knew that the Great Commission was an important thing it just wasn't my thing Hmm. and so when I was about 19 um, I I felt like God was calling me into ministry and I didn't know what that would look like and I remember people coming up and they said one of two things you know you might be a missionary to which at that point I thought yeah that's not me Um, or, or they said this one you know what you could be a pastor's wife yeah and I also thought this is what I thought you'll love this 
<laughs> that's not independent enough. Like, uh, I want to do yeah. my own thing. Mm-hmm. And so I became both. I, you know, dated a guy in high school. We married. Um, he I was a pastor, so became the pastor's wife. It wasn't until my husband went on a short-term mission trip to the Ukraine. Um, it was at a time when the walls of communism had just crumbled. People were just, uh, it was like fruit falling of a tree. They like they had been listening to everything and now everything had crumbled and so hearing about Christ and hearing truth for the first time they were incredibly receptive hmm. so my husband comes back from the Ukraine we're past pastoring we're at our second church now um, and he says you know I, I think God might be leading our family to go overseas and he's telling me this on the couch in our living room I'm sitting there holding our first child three months say, old did you have kids at okay. the time yeah and I can it's embarrassing to say uh, but transparently, I thought, you'll get over it. Like, he's crying. I'm thinking, I've been on a short-term mission trip before. You know, you give out your souvenirs. We'll wash the clothes, put the suitcase in the closet, and you'll come back down to normal. And, you know, it was in God's timing. My husband was in seminary at the time, uh, still pastoring the church. Um, about a year later, God began to work on my heart as I was going, just doing my own personal uh, Bible study time, began I was in Genesis and just the passage where God is calling Abraham to a place I will show you and God began to disrupt and disturb my heart toward uh, missions and what that could look like in my own life I didn't tell my husband yet because he's so proactive that you know I knew like if I said it we're going tomorrow um, but it wasn't long after that, that he calls me one day from seminary and says hey I'm bringing a guy home he's a missionary happened to be at our seminary he's gonna come speak at our church it's when we our church at that time did Wednesday night uh, prayer meeting mm-hmm. and uh, he came and he spoke and we both sat there listening to him and it was kind of the the marriage of our mission calling came together at that point mm-hmm. and so we were both uh, about 24 um, when that happened wait I was about 25 when that happened um, and then it was about a year and a half later that we uh, took our then two children right uh, and moved to Zambia Africa and our mission journey began so that gentleman was he from Zambia or no. okay so he was from a different country he was from a different country but, but here's the thing here's what he did is and here's why I think a lot of people don't see their part in the Great Commission mm-hmm. is because we separate it so far from us it's something that's foreign it's something that we don't see ourselves in it's something that other people do but not something we do sure um, and what all he did like he wasn't even a great orator but he simply told stories of how God was moving in very ordinary ways mm-hmm. um, you know whether it was talking to someone under a tree you know somewhere or in a coffee shop somewhere and people coming to Christ and I remember thinking I can do that hmm. you know I I can do that yeah and so that just rearranged and since then like that's just been my trajectory I just believe even though we're no longer living in Zambia Africa um, we are continually partnering overseas and it is just part of me I believe it's part should be part of the church Mm -hmm. that we are activating people to see that the Great Commission is their thing that the mission was given to the church Uh, everyone has a role to play no matter what season of life that you're in whether you're welcoming internationals here you're praying for nations over there you're giving so people can be sent you're going yourself short term uh, you're intentionally sending people from your church Everybody has a part to play in God's mission because the mission of God was given to the church. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm a little curious because how many years did you serve in Zambia? So we served in Zambia four years and yet 
since being back though I can't even count the number of times that you've that gone back, gone yeah. back well into other countries too I mean exactly. you're kind of you yeah. know all over just yeah. recently in Nepal right correct and, yes. okay yeah yes. so you know all the countries all the things and <laughs> checking right. it off um so I'm curious what did it look like especially whenever you had been serving you were planting your life in the midst of those people there in Zambia and then you decide to come back and even just the culture of coming back to American Christianity and which is very different obviously so talk to me a little bit about how did that conversation go with you and your husband coming home even just the transition of getting back to the American church what yeah. was hardest that's so coming back to the states was harder than going to Africa yeah I can okay imagine. <laughs> so when but here's the thing is when we went to Africa you, you go and you have to be careful whether it's Africa or some other place around the world that you cannot export American Christianity mm-hmm. as, as we would do it here it's not that the Bible has to shift it's just that the way that you go about sharing the gospel and contextualizing it in another culture so that it can be heard and understood and received you can't do it the same the, the same way that we do here in America yeah so when we get there we begin asking a question which sounds incredibly foundational but as we're trying to lead nationals to plant churches in their own culture the question was um, what is church and as you begin to ask that and you begin to answer it not from your American lens but you have to answer it from a different cultures lens now you're going back to the Bible and you're answering it very purely what is church and as we begin to wrestle with that god began to shift our heart back to our own nation Hmm. um where we had already been my husband had been pastoring um making disciples and so forth but we begin to look at it through a missionary lens through a mission craft lens through a mission approach lens Mm -hmm. and not just a professional church uh type lens professional ministry type lens that we need to come back and contextualize the gospel in our own nation among our own community so that we're not keeping people from church but rather we are inviting them into the church yeah so we came back uh we planted a church we started with our kids we made them tithe so that was our that was our ministry budget right there um we met in a home first and then we moved to an elementary school cafeteria Mm -hmm. from there we went to a high school cafeteria so you know big time uh and eventually you know we had our own building but that's not the pinnacle of it right it's just that you are learning to be the missionary be on mission in your own culture but still for the end game that those people who come to christ are becoming disciples that now have a heart for god's name being made known in all the world and they now understand mission globally yeah yeah i would imagine it would be almost completely different going from zambia to even just a bible belt you know like i mean arkansas texas is still very much kind of bible belt area um and just how different it looked so give me like one just very different thing coming back that it was just maybe even something that you took kind of from africa that you implemented here as you were kind of working with and beginning this brand new church with you and your husband so i would say one of the things that's it's incredibly simple mm-hmm. so it's not it's not going to be like profound you're going to go oh give me something else right um but one of the things that we that happens in other cultures is that community and conversations and commerce all collide mm-hmm. When you're here in America, those things are incredibly separate. Mm -hmm. And so communities walled off, 
uh, conversations. We schedule them. Uh, commerce, you know, we schedule when we're going to go shop and we walk into the store and we walk out. In other cultures, that's not necessarily the case. You right. learn how to begin to initiate conversations with people intentionally with the purpose then of converting it to some kind of spiritual conversation. You may not just like lay out the gospel then. You might, but you're doing it with, with the intention of building a relationship, finding even those people of peace is what we call it overseas. And we do that overseas, but you take that and you employ that back here mm -hmm. and you begin to intentionally have conversations with people in those places where you go shop and the community in which you live, or you rearrange your life so that you're going into circles that you normally wouldn't have gone into because that's what you do overseas. Right. Right. So you do that here and now you're building those, that, that again, it's that same mission craft where you're just taking simple conversations converting those conversations into what I call gospel sharing moments but let's just call them spiritual conversations that eventually lead to opportunity to share the gospel yeah absolutely and I want to point out like it's not rocket science you know like it is not anything that is just this big huge you know evangelism um, plan or anything like that it is just right. being intentional with the moments that you have and the people that are in front right. of you and it's not it's not clear-cut Mm -hmm. Which I think people think that, you know, it has to be, like, we have to be okay with it being messy. Yeah. Um, the conversations that you're going to have with lost people are going to be conversations that sound lost. Mm -hmm. And we have to be okay with that. Sometimes we like to clean the fish before we catch them. Like, you got to catch the fish first. Yeah. yeah. And so um, we have to be okay with it being messy. It doesn't mean it has to be chaotic. But when it's messy and it's even, uh, there's some blanks still to be filled in, that just invites the Holy Spirit to kind of come in um, in ways that you couldn't have pre-planned, you know, calculated, assessed, programmed, you're just being completely available. Yeah, and I would add to that that there's time. You know, I think um, especially here that we just expect it. You know, like, okay, I told you about Jesus, you need to respond. And I think one of the things that I've learned in discipleship is that it is a long process and it is a long um, road of just intentional conversations and intentional moments and how God aligns different things. And uh -huh. so not only is it very simple, like you're saying, but it's also just being willing to put in the time and the effort uh -huh. and trusting God in that time and effort uh, yeah there's a second thing i can think of really quick and that's that as you're doing it you're also training other people to do it so a lot of times we think of missionaries who go overseas and they've got the answer and they're planting the churches really you're you're training up believers and nationals to do that task and mm -hmm. do that job because you you may go in and you may model it but eventually you're going to leave and so we need to do the same thing here so mm -hmm. whether it's in our women's ministry whether it's in discipleship programs at church whatever that might look like that we're training up others to do exactly what we're doing yeah um so you know you hear it's like, you work yourself out of a job type thing it concerns me sometimes in women's ministry that like we don't do that mm -hmm. i've, I've kind of said it before and mm -hmm. I, I know i step on toes when i say this no step that, well <laughs> My, my fear is this, is we've taught in our women's ministry, we've taught women how to decorate tables more than we've taught them how to share the gospel with people sitting at those tables. Yeah. And yet when I hear even young believers, uh, you know, they'll come, matter of fact, just this week I had an email from somebody I don't know who just on social media or something found me. She sent me a letter or an email that said, you know, I can't find anybody to disciple me. And I hear that all the time. I don't hear young women saying, hey, teach me how to decorate this. Like yeah. they want to be discipled. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have got to be intentional about those conversations to 
uh, convert them to spiritual conversations, but training up our people to do the same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love you stepping on the toes. Step on all the toes. (laughs) So one of the things that I think, even just from the minute of being connected to you, and um, I was telling you earlier before we started recording that I saw you at Send in Dallas, and um, you were talking about sharing the gospel and intentional conversations and stuff. And so I know that you're kind of like put in this category of, Lori McDaniel, IMB, missions guru, and all of that. But I think what I've seen just in watching you and having these ongoing conversations with you is just how much you ooze Jesus and how much um, you just, you are all of it. Like you love the church, you love mission, you go, all of those things. And so with that and with the decades, literally, that you have loved Jesus and done it well. <laughs> you make me sound so old. Well, I know. I guess I probably shouldn't say that. Just a couple, a couple nope. years. Fair enough, um, fair enough. <laughs> Um, But with that, there comes struggle. And one of the specific conversations that we've talked about is burnout. And Mm. so I want to talk a little bit about that just with our remaining time. I know it's probably not something that's really talked about a lot, Mm -hmm. especially among women, right? Because we're just supposed to do it all. all I would say it's probably not talked about much among believers. Right. Yeah. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about just your own experience maybe with burnout and how you knew that you were entering into that season like mm-hmm. what did that look like for you yeah so so let's, let's back up a little bit because you said something about among you know among women and you know says something about among believers and so like this happens a lot mm-hmm. listen we were just talking about missions it happens to our missionaries overseas it happens to people in ministry maybe who are listening to this podcast right now that they're thinking you know i'm, I'm exhausted all the time i've lost passion i've lost excitement and and here's the thing is there's there's kind of a fine line in that I think we threw out the word burnout, um, and, and it almost just means yeah, I'm just really tired. I'm tired of doing what I you know, and like if I just take a vacation, I'll you know I'll be mm-hmm. better. But when you hit burnout, um, burnout isn't something that just goes away after a, you know a two week vacation. Like it really, um, I think it's a thing where physically you've worn yourself out. For me personally, I mean I'll just be honest, where I'm kind of or can be. Um, high octane going all the time and if i'm not careful to rest and not just physical take a nap rest but rest my mind rest my soul and i'll say this too rest in god that what i'm a part of that that he's actually leading i'm not leading Mm -hmm. and so sometimes i let my leadership part of me get ahead of god's leading um and it gets me into or it can get me has gotten me into uh, what i call a danger zone where i literally am worn out physically so adrenal fatigue cortisol levels go up uh the entire thing um where you lose energy um with that then you begin to maybe even have like brain fog uh, maybe not in the mental capacity to function with other people in conversations, and yet as a pastor's wife, like you feel like you always have to put that on, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, or somebody in ministry, and, and even though you're in that, you're feeling like you have to put that hat on until you get to a point where you, you literally think I can't I can't function mm-hmm. um, in this anymore, which isn't a good place to be, um, but it is a reality that it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, probably much more than people realize i even heard one pastor say one time i would rather um burn out than rust out and i thought that was a really cool like it's you know it's tweetable right yeah <laughs> but when you think about it like rust out was he saying i just don't want to be slow and um lazy basically is what he's saying but he was also saying you always want to go full time all the time 
And we weren't designed to be that way. And when we operate that way, I think we actually steal um, from God in some sense, um, stewarding our life, our heart, our soul in a posture of rest as often as he uh, desires for us to and in a posture of trust in the way in which we should. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, like you said, a lot of people probably hit this and then don't even recognize it or they recognize it, but then they're not going to tell anybody about it. So when you get to this point and when you're kind of at the at the wall and you know you have no more to give, like what do you do? What, <laughs> what um, advice, I guess, would you have? And especially like, and knowing you, you, you parented little kids, you know, and you did ministry and you, you juggled all of the things that I think some younger women like myself are kind of in the midst of that. And even seeing the tendency, I think in all leaders, we want to do all the things, you know, we, we have all the ideas and we want to tackle and charge the hill and all of those things. So even what does it look like, I think as a leader to kind of set some healthy rhythms to where you don't get burnout. Right. Um, and then maybe once you are burnout, like, what do you do? So uh, one healthy rhythm, and I have learned this I hate to I wish I could say I learned it the hard way the first time um I think there's there's been several times that I've had to learn this to be just honest um and that is that your position um the role that you have is not your identity Mm. um so whether you're it's a women's ministry leader whether it's that job that you have in the workplace um whether it's women's whatever it might be your leadership role or or even like it's not your identity Mm -hmm. completely yeah um and when we allow our identity to get caught up um and we keep trying to measure up to whatever we think that perfection of that identity looks like it could even be a mom you know so for me to be a mom and to be a really great successful mom it looks like you know some dream that we have and, and what we don't do is we don't end up Uh, allowing grace giving ourselves grace um, to come in instead we try to live up to some identity um, that we've created for ourselves some narrative some story that we want other people to think about us and we begin to attempt to tell like this is the story we want to tell or we want to say about ourselves Mm -hmm. as the story we begin to tell ourselves about ourselves Um, and so your identity or what your position is is not your identity yeah that's good Um, grace also has to come in Mm -hmm. Um, where you're giving yourself space, margin in your home, in your family life, where things don't always have, you do not have to do everything that is available to you. Yeah. The power of no. <laughs> the power of no. Or I heard somebody say the, 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 uh, it's the unimportance of practically everything, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so it's okay to calculate and look at things and say, that's good, but it's not best right now. Yeah. So. so can I ask you specifically, and this is kind of putting you on the spot, like how well, do you Well, I think you, you put say, me on the spot with burnout, right? Hey, so, welcome hey, to my podcast. That's right. Transparency, <laughs> clearly, right here. Um, but how do you graciously say no? You know, like I think our women here, especially because if you're a leader, you are going to constantly have something presented to you and there's always some way to take something further, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what does it look like to, I think, be able to kind of just say no? And mm-hmm. I, I know that's like a very simple question, but at the same time, I don't know that I think we just kind of bury it like, yeah, I can do it, you know? And so what does that look like 
in your own heart to be able to be like, yeah, sorry, I just, I can't right now, you know? Um, and especially I'm thinking within church, within bosses, you know, like how do you really juggle the expectation of people? Cause honestly, like being frank, um, that's what I'm worried about, you know, is disappointing people or failure, you know, all of those things. So maybe even kind of identifying some of that and knowing, and maybe that's what it is. There, there's so much <laughs> in what you just asked. It's like, there's so many avenues own to go, right? <laughs> So we can we can talk about identifying the lies that we believe that yeah. uh, trigger some reality that we think we can't say no. Mm. It, like you just say, oh, I'm a failure. Like sometimes we don't say no because it's tied to something else yeah. that we don't get to the root of. So I don't say no because I think I'm not going to get approval. I don't say no, or I may miss out on the approval. I don't say no because I'm going to look like a failure. I don't say no because I may disappoint somebody. And so sometimes the lack of saying no is actually tied to a lie. Mm. And so that lie really has to be identified for multiple reasons, which is a whole other podcast, okay? <laughs> um, so to me, the the whole um, skill, let's just call it that, skill of being able to say no, there is an invisible and there is the visible. Mm-hmm. The invisible is, can I be okay with myself saying no? Or am I going to say no and then I'm going to worry about it? Because I can be addicted to anxiety quite quickly, okay? Mm-hmm. So invisibly, like, I have to be first okay even if somebody else isn't going to be okay with my no because i know that god's only given me this amount of time i know that god has only given me these skills and i know that god's given me this family or this job or what you know fill in the blank for you but i'm the one that's responsible for stewarding that in a way that honors and glorifies god yeah and if i'm continually spent i'm going to get to a place where honestly i'm no longer glorifying God. Mm -hmm. I'm just going through motions at somebody else's expectation. So invisibly, I have to be okay with the no. Mm -hmm. Then visibly or verbally, you know, how do you then do that? Uh, Depending on the situation, there's a lot of ways that I go about doing this. Um, I may literally say my calendar's full. I'm sorry, I can't. And, And here's the thing is my calendar might not be filled with a family activity or because I've got a job or I've got a meeting with somebody else. It late, I literally will schedule rest in my calendar now. Mm-hmm. But I've learned that the hard way, that I block my calendar and I, I, my calendar is full. Why? Because I have to rest. Does anybody else have to know what you're doing at that moment? Yeah. But you know that God has given you this, that you need to rest, and it's okay to block that off. Um, so my calendar is full. Yeah, there are a lot of things that I would love to be a part of, and I let people know I would love to be a part of it. I mean, Jackie, you go speak at different mm-hmm. places, but you mm-hmm. can't speak everywhere. Yeah, People want you to go, and you don't feel guilty if your calendar is already full because you've, you're speaking somewhere else. But you might feel guilty if your calendar isn't full you know, two weekends that you're available that month, but you're speaking somewhere else two other weekends and you're looking at it and you're free, but you know you're not free. Yeah. Because right. it's going to take you from your family. Right. So again, all you, like verbally, I would say, I would love to, but I'm not available this month. Is there a time in the next six months or can we look at next year? So sometime, you know, if it's something like that, then we can begin to look at. Yeah. I think this is such a good conversation. And even just the reminder to everybody that's listening that there is freedom in no. And I love the idea of like blocking out, like I, my favorite color is orange. And so I love the idea right now, thinking through like on my calendar and just blocking out these specific times that you're going to rest. And I know I listened to um, a sermon a while ago and the pastor was talking 
talking about how you are being disobedient if you're not resting and that i mean it's back pretty early you know in Mm -hmm. genesis and commanded and the model of god resting and delighting and i think that maybe a lot of us are not doing that and Mm -hmm. we're being disobedient like if we're honest and so i think those are all just such great great um truths and practical truths that i hope all of us will will start to do so yeah there's probably like young moms that and they may be working outside the home they may stay at home that they're probably thinking yeah i wish you'd block my calendar and let my kids know that too right (laughs) Um, and, and, and I've been in that season too, but, and that's where that grace comes in that mm-hmm. you have to give yourself a mom, as a mom is you can't do everything with your kids. Your kids don't need to do everything either. Your house does not always have to be in perfected order. Mm-hmm. Like that's where grace has to come into play where instead of maybe there being like this large chunk on your calendar that says blocked, it's more the, the space it's the mental space. Yeah. It's the it's okay to sit down for a few moments space. Um, so what that looks like for a young mom is a little bit different than somebody in a different season of life, but it can still uh, be available. Sure, sure. So we just have a couple more minutes. So I am really curious as to who is kind of the woman that has gone before you, and it may not even be a woman. It could be a guy. Um, but who is somebody that whenever you're looking at just your development and you as a young woman, <laughs> I'll throw that young woman in there for you. <laughs> Thank you very um, much. I appreciate that. <laughs> to backtrack on my deck gates comment um but who is somebody that you've just looked to maybe you haven't even met them you know it's just somebody that you've read something like that that has really kind of just challenged you pushed you forward as you've walked forward as a woman yeah so as soon as you start asking me like i'm thinking like 25 names are going through my (laughs) mind okay but here's the one i'm going to choose okay she doesn't have a name I was sitting in a missions conference. It was my first year overseas. And I was gathered with a group of women, veteran women missionaries who were serving all over Africa. And I'm sitting there as the newbie and I'm listening to their stories. I'm listening to them share about their their child who's no longer following Christ. I'm I'm listening to their story about their mother who is incredibly ill you know back in the states but they're living overseas i'm listening to their struggle in their marriage you know and who are they going to tell because they live you know in the middle of nowhere and i'm listening to these women and their stories i literally am thinking nobody knows your name and yet their obedience their perseverance in what god had called them to like that has never left me Mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter if nobody knows my name or I never author a book or I never speak anywhere. If I am obedient to what God has called me to do, even when it's messy and it's incredibly hard because mm-hmm. it's never neatly packaged, um, those are the women that when I hear their story that I look up to and I say, that's how I want to live my life. Yeah, yeah, which is so counter, I think, to our culture right now, to where it's just scraping at platforms and and trying to become a name and trying to be known. Um, Wow, what a challenge there. So, okay, one last question. What is your nugget of advice? So obviously women that are listening in are serving all over the planet within our denomination. And so you as a woman that has been faithful not only to the call of Jesus but also to serve the church and serve in mission what is your kind of nugget of truth or your charge to everybody listening you know I I think that women have circles of influence no matter what size that circle may look like or if there's a title or there's not a title that comes with that Um, but we have a circle of influence in which we can lead in my word of advice is when you're leading it's not about you 
Mm. It's not even about what you do. It's about the people that God has placed in your life, in the season of your life, to leverage those opportunities to be Christ, show Christ, proclaim Christ to them in that time. Yeah, that'll preach. So <laughs> I think she's about to preach that to my women, so I'm pretty excited about that. Well, Lori, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Um, so good to have you, and I especially want to say thank you to our official sponsors, the CSB. If you don't have a CSB Bible, you want to make sure that you get to Lifeway or hop online and grab you a copy. Um, but again, I hope you were encouraged by today's talk. Lots of real and raw, just practical information there. And so um, I know you'll want to follow or connect with so what's a way for them to connect to you? Yeah, probably the best way right now would be uh, Twitter or on Instagram. Uh, they can follow me there, Lori M.M. So it's Lori M. McDaniel. Um, and they can follow me there. I'd be glad to connect with them. Okay. I'll make sure to put that in the notes so that you can grab that if you want to connect with her. But again, I'm so thankful that y'all listened in today at the table. And I hope you join me next week. You have been listening to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and share this with your friends and other women in the SBC. They'd also love to connect online with you at sbcwomen.net for more resources and for you to join the conversation with women all across the globe who are serving in kingdom mission. Thanks for listening.